Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Amazing. Thank you, Aaron. So good to be with you all. You guys can be seated. Um, okay, I saw as I, as I came into the lobby this morning, I saw our kids team and they were wearing all of this and I said, do we have a new parking team? <laughs> um, no, but this is for their sermon series this week, which is, or not this week, um, over the next couple months about um, blueprints and like building and construction. And I said, you know what I'm speaking on today? The title of my message is Building Big People. So there you go. I was like, I'm going to wear it. Not for just for that two seconds. That's how long I'm going to wear it for. <laughs> Help me. You got it? Amazing. I have not taken on a new occupation. I am still your pastor. Um, and I am very excited today to finish out our sermon series. Sad, not excited about the ser- series ending, but just excited about this topic. Um, for those of you who this might be your first time or you have missed some of these Sundays in the sermon series, it is called One Another. And it's been a series all about honor. And we have been diving into the 100 scripture references in the New Testament where this word one another, um, which in the Greek is called alelon. Turn to someone and say alelon. <laughs> alelon, which means one another. And when you see something a lot of times in the Bible, you start to pay attention, right? And I think 100 different times is pretty significant. And 47 times that this word is spoken, it is within a command. And who knows, when God says something and he asks you to do something, he's looking for obedience, right? And so raise your hand if you want to be someone that obeys God, because I definitely don't want to be on the other side of that, of someone who disobeys God. So we are listening and we are paying attention to what he's saying. And so we have, over the last four weeks, we have um, we started with Aaron speaking on unity with one another and how God is coming back, not for a divisive church, not for a broken church, but he's coming back for a unified, beautiful bride, right, who is joined together. It's um, really echoey, if we could, I don't know, fix that, if you can text. Okay. Um, and then our second topic was love for one another. And the biblical type of love that we see in the New Testament where it's not just love based on our feelings, but it's love in action towards one another. And then humility towards one another. What does it look like for us to lay down our lives as Jesus laid down his life for his friends? What does that look like for us in the church to lay down our life for one another, to walk in humility? Um, And then last week we had Nico Peel, who was a guest speaker And he wasn't speaking within this series, but we felt like what he shared just went so well with the series. Um, Did you guys enjoy him last week? Wasn't he awesome? If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you can listen on our podcast or YouTube um, and catch up. But he was talking about how we come together as a community to pursue the presence of God, that, um, that the Bible wasn't written for an individual, but it was written for a people. And we are to pursue God together as a community, as a people going after God together. And that's something I love about this house and you guys as part of this family is that we're pursuing God together. We're building with him a house of his presence, people that go after the heart of God. And so today as I close, um, I'm going to be sharing on edification of one another. And my title is Building Big People. So... (laughs) 
I'm excited. It's good. All right. So have you guys ever met someone who is the most encouraging person in the world? Do you guys know someone who's like so annoyingly positive and encouraging? I joke with that. But my dad, Duncan, is one of those people. (laughs) If you've ever met him, he is the most encouraging. It's not annoying. It's beautiful. The most encouraging, loving, like intentional people who just makes you feel like a million bucks. The, The standard was set really high for my future husband when I was a teenager because the first thing when we came down from downstairs was, oh, darling, you look so beautiful today over and over again. And even now into our marriage, he'll be like, has Aaron told you that yet? Make sure he's the first one to tell you. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, yes, he has. (laughs) Although when you come down looking like a train wreck sometimes, you know, postpartum, it's like, nah. Um, Just kidding. But (laughs) I used to think, wow, dad has such a gift of encouragement. And while I still believe that, as I've been studying this topic over the last couple of weeks and looking into this sermon series, I've realized that this isn't just a gift that some individuals receive. This is something that each and every individual who calls himself a Christian, who calls himself a believer, should possess this gift should possess this type of attitude towards the people that are in their life. That it's not just a gift of encouragement, but it is we are people that build one another up. We are people that are encouragers, that everything we do breathes life and not death, that speaks life and not discouragement. And so why encouragement? I've been thinking about, well, encouragement in a discouraging world. If you guys haven't noticed, this Bible that we follow, this truth, this word, this person, Jesus, that we follow, it's pretty countercultural to the world that we live in today. And it's getting harder and harder to kind of blend in with the culture. There's coming a time when we actually have to stop and say, no, we're going against what culture is saying. And so in a, in a culture of criticism and can- cancel culture, we as the church, as believers, push back on that And rather than um, pursuing criticism and rather than tearing down and, quote, canceling people, we are called to uplift and support and not tear down, right? In a world, this is what Nico was also speaking on last week, in a world of individualism and competition where it's all about me looking out for me, counterculture says, encouragement says, I'm going to pursue you and us. And it's not about a competition. If I'm going to compete in anything, it's outdoing one another in love, right? As the scripture says. And so in a world of online uh, negativity and discourse where it's a breeding ground for like the most atrocious stuff that you read, the things that people think they can get away with behind a screen, but they would never say that to someone in person. You know the type of things we're talking about? We are called as a people to speak in the opposite way, to encourage and edify and actually be a beacon of light, of hope, of positivity to the world, where they don't look at Christians and say, wow, the way that they respond on social media or the way that they are online is like, I don't see Jesus. We're actually supposed to be a beacon of light and hope to the world, even online. Um, Encouragement, it often involves authenticity and vulnerability. 
This is counterculture to a world that values image and performance. It also brings empathy and understanding where we can actually understand the struggles that people are facing and sit with them in that place and bring encouragement and life to them. These are all countercultural teachings of Christianity, love, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness. Encouragement often focuses on the long-term well-being, which is in contrast to the instant gratification that the world wants. See, when I'm, when I'm building something, it's not for a quick fix. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a house that gets built from scratch. It does not happen in a day, despite my parents were going through a renovation during COVID. And it's like every month, just delay, delay, delay. Encouragement and building up of one another is not just for these quick fix moments, but it's for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. Turn to someone and say, we're in it together for the long haul. <laughs> So edification is the building up and strengthening in the faith. So in the New Testament, the Greek word for edification is, I'm going to butcher it, oikodome. Oikodome. Someone say it. Oikodome. Oikodome. Okay. It's derived from two words in the Greek, oikos, meaning house, and dome, meaning building or structure. In the biblical context, edification means the process of building up or constructing something to build up a person's character. It's often used for spiritual growth and development and strengthening of individuals and a community of believers. So when Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, and upon this rock, I will build my house or my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. He is using the word oikodome here. Jesus is actively and proactively building his church. He's not building a brand. He's not building a franchise. He's building a church. He's building a house. And this word, oikodome, is the building up of this structure. And Jesus is pulling us into that and saying, with the same passion that I am building my church, I want you to build up my people. As he builds his church, we have a choice to proactively and actively build up the people of that house. That's each and every one of us here in this room. All throughout the Bible, we see that God is building up his people. In the Old Testament, edification or oikodome is not used because it's Greek in the New Testament. But there are other words that God uses here. One of them with a similar meaning is to strengthen and build. Ezekiel 34, 16 says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This word comfort here is the same word for strengthen or build. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you are chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, oikos, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
We all have a role to play in building this house. Each and every one of us in this room are the living stones that are part of building that house. And each stone is important. You have something to bring to this house. You have a role to play in this house. Just say that to yourself. I have a role to play. We, this house needs each and every stone to, to be what it is. And you are important. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 so, says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built, oikodome, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built, oikodome, together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, Jesus is the cornerstone of this house. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And if he's building people, we should be building people. Amen? Romans 15.2 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Oikodome, again, we see that. Romans 14.9, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Oikodome. We see it all throughout. The building up, the constructing of something. And in this context, it's not a physical thing. It's something in the spirit. He's building up his church, his people through each and every one of us. So characteristics of edification. One of them is encouragement. Going back to that encouragement, the biblical definition is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Encouragement is not passive. It's intentional. And one, th- one theme to me that stuck out through this sermon series is we've been talking about the way we behave and the way we act towards one another is that all of it is an invitation for intentionality on our part. It requires action from us. It's not passive. The way we treat one another is not passive. It's active. It's intentional. It's an invitation for us to join with Jesus and what he's doing in his body and in his people and work with him, right? Action is absolutely required. (laughs) In the Greek, two words for encouragement is para kaleo. Para means to stand beside and kaleo means to call, call to or call to God. So what encouragement literally means here, para kaleo, is to stand with someone And call out the truth about that person, what God says, to stand beside them. If that is the definition of encouragement, to stand with and to call to, (laughs) then that's how you encourage someone biblically. If you want to know how you can encourage someone, you stand with them through what they're going through, the highs, the lows, the ebbs, the flows, the in-between, and you call to God the truth about that person. So if that's encouragement, what is discouragement? Discouragement is the opposite of that. It's standing away from you. I'm actually going to go away from you. I'm not going to stand with you. I'm going to move away from you. See, encouragement requires closeness, proximity. Discouragement requires distance. 
And when you think about it like that, when you see it laid out like how the word was meant to be in the Greek, it's very verb-based, right? It's very action. We just hear encouragement, and there's no real meaning behind that other than give someone a high five and a fist bump. But the biblical sense of encouragement is to literally and figuratively put yourself in close proximity to someone, to stand with them, to stand beside them, to lift them up, to call to God, to call the truth about that person. How powerful is that? The next time you encourage someone, what you are doing in the spirit, you may not physically be with them when you send that, that, them the text message or the voice memo, but in the spirit, you're standing with them. It requires devotion. It's saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to walk away when it gets hard. I'm not going to walk away when it gets messy. I'm going to stand with you. I'm devoted to you. I'm devoted to the uplifting of you, the building of your spirit, the building of your character. I'm devoted to you. And I think about Jesus and how he never leaves us or forsakes us. He says, I'm with you till the end of the age. He's never going to leave our side. And when we think like, I want to be like Jesus, we think about the love and we think about the miracles and we think about that, but have we thought about the devotion as well? The devotion he has for us to stick with us through the mess, through the pain, through the ugliness, and to call out our identity to speak out the truth of what God says about us over us. That's the invitation we have with one another as we're building this body, as we're strengthening this body. That's the calling we have for one another. It's saying to someone, do you remember when God said that to you? Do you remember when he spoke that to you? Do you remember when we were at their conference and you encounter God and he wrecked you and he changed you in that moment? Do you remember when when someone prophesied that over you? Look, you're walking in that now. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's saying you're, God has breakthrough for your life. You're the head and not the tail. You're the top, not the bottom. It's calling out their godly identity. It's calling out the purposes of God over their life. Yes, it's saying, wow, you look pretty today. That could be great and a breakthrough moment. We're talking about the deeper encouragement, edification of one another. The Hebrew word for this encouragement, parakaleo in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, it's hazak, which means to strengthen, prevail, be strong, become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, be resolute. It's strengthening or repairing. And in the Old Testament, God used to judge leaders who didn't properly encourage his pe- their people. In Zechariah 10, 2, it says, Therefore the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for the lack of an encourager. A person will wander when they lack encouragement. Just think about that for a minute. When we think about discipling people, when we think about, yes, it's bringing them into the kingdom, but it's also discipling them. A A person will wander for a lack of an encourager. We have a whole generation of people who are wandering, who are questioning who they are, who are questioning their identity, most likely because they have a lack of encouragement in their lives. They don't have people who are standing beside them and speaking God's truth over them. 
Psalm 69.20 says, I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. Remember, comfort is the same word in the Old Testament for encouragement. So we need people to stand beside them. Because without encouragement, without people that will pursue them, with encouragement, with the edification, people are lonely, they don't have purpose, they wander from God's purpose, and they are neglected and forgotten in their identity. It shows you the power of just that, of just standing beside people, the power that it has in their lives. So what's the solution for this? It's, it's getting in their corner. It's being in their corner. It's um, cheering for them. It's rooting for them. It's saying, I know, you're, I know you've been down this week. I'm going to send you a voice memo. I'm going to ask God what he's saying. I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to prophesy over you. I'm going to encourage your spirit. I'm going to give you a prophetic word. I'm going to lift up your spirit. Where are those people in the body of Christ? Raise your hand. Come on, it's all of us. Where are you? We're here. (laughs) Encouragement, it truly matters. It really matters. So ask yourself this for a second, just a time of self-reflection. When was the last time that I truly encouraged someone in the biblical sense? And just let that challenge you for a moment because I'm going to tell you I was challenged. I've been challenged this whole month. You know, when, when we were talking about the series, we were like, oh, you know, is this something that's so simple? People have heard it before. But it's like, it's a, it's a now word for what God is doing in this house. And it's challenged me to be like, I sometimes am very self-absorbed, truly. It's me and my life and my kids and my schedule. It's inconvenient sometimes, to be honest. You guys feel that? It feels inconvenient when you've been out all week to have another night where you go and you sit with someone. But that's, that's the joy of the gospel, is being inconvenienced for love. Is saying, I choose you, this person, over my own conveniences, over my time. Yes, have boundaries. <laughs> Please don't hear me in that. But when was the last time that I truly encourage someone in that biblical sense. And I felt challenged with that. So the first characteristic of edification is encouragement. The second one is loving correction for discipleship. Now, I feel like there is a need for gentle and loving correction in love, hear me, in our communities. Is there's a a lot of people that are doing things where they're allowing sin to sort of be tolerable. And I feel like part of the edification of building up and strengthening up is is calling out those moments and saying, hey, that's not you. That's not what God's saying. I love you. And being willing to walk through the hard moments with people through loving correction and discipleship. But see, what we've lost is that sense of discipleship in relationship where we actually have relational equity with one another. And so when I speak into your life and when I speak loving correction, you receive it because you know me. You receive it because we've done life together, because we walk together. I'm not just a rando who is giving you some sort of advice and whatever, but we are actually in relationship. And so when we, when we speak truth in love, 
there's, there's a sense of acceptance of the loving correction and discipleship. Do you guys know what I'm saying with that? Um, I think about even my own kids and my stories of that is just when I, when I discipline my children, you know, discipline and disciple come from the same word, right? And so when I'm disciplining them, I always think about that is I'm actually discipling them here in this moment. And I have to be firm, but I have to be kind. And I have to show them the better way. But my kids, they may not receive it in that moment, but they, they eventually come to understand that because they know that my heart is for them. And it's the same way and when we're, when we're walking with people is that I can speak into your life because we have relationship and you'll receive it because I love you and I want to build you up. I want the best for your life. I want God's best for your life. And so we're going to walk together through this. <sighs> Serving one another is another characteristic of edification. And we've kind of talked about that throughout the series. But um, serving one another brings edification because it demonstrates this Christ-like love. We exemplify selflessness. We exemplify the sacrificial love of Jesus. It fosters humility where it recognizes and acknowledges the unique gifts of each and every one of us in this community, and it calls those gifts out. Um, it strengthens the familial bonds of this church body. It, having acts of service with one another, it creates a sense of belonging and interconnectedness within the community. It meets the practical needs Serving one another allows us to meet the practical needs within this community. And I'm talking about if someone needs to move house and they're a single mom and they don't know anyone who would feel like they're strong enough to help them carry all the couches and all the whatever, and we jump up together to go and serve that person. Someone just lost someone or they've been in the hospital and we jump at the opportunity to bring them a meal, to serve their family, to meet the practical needs in times of crisis in assisting day-to-day. It encourages reciprocity. When I am encouraging you, what do you want to do back? You want to encourage me back, right? It creates this culture of, I'm, I'm speaking into you, you're speaking into me. And eventually you have this beautiful culture of one another, of everyone one anothering each other, of encouraging, uplifting, building, strengthening. It promotes spiritual growth challenges us to live out our faith and exercise the gifts of the Spirit, of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And one, one phrase we love to say is, um, we actually got it from a church that we, some friends down in Florida, but it's see it, say it. If you see something, say it. So if you see um, someone doing amazing things, say it. Like, encourage it. It might not be your personality. Some of us in this room might be more passive or we might be more uh, introverted, maybe more shy. But if you, if you see something and you love it, say it. Encourage someone. Lift them up. Come on. Say it out loud. See it, say it. See it, say it. There you go. <laughs> That's why we love to start every meeting, um, you know, team nights and staff meeting and uh, different things with shout outs, testimonies. What is God is, what is God doing? Say it. Encourage someone in the community who's doing an incredible job serving every week. 
I'm going to see it, say it right now. You know, we have this awesome camera team. Give a, give a wave, guys, to the camera team. We've got some amazing people who are, they're just, that community is so amazing. They're discipling one another, encouraging, doing life with one another. I love it. We have people who, who have their masters in business from Duke, who also have their MD from Duke, who are serving. We've got, uh, we also have Ian right now, who he has his, um, Masters in Divinity from Duke. Like, we got some stellar people here who are giving of their lives. David, who's been discipling some of the other men who have joined. Justin, it's just amazing. I'm like, yeah, no, I said that. <laughs> um, but it's so good. I love it. We're serving in this community. We're building each other up. So how do we build big people? You guys are like, okay, now what? What's the, what, what can I take home with this? So I got this from the Dictionary Bible Themes, okay? If you want to look it up, it's called the Dictionary Bible Themes. But the first thing we do in how we build big people is, one, we build people with the Bible, with the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete which means built up, equipped for every good work. We need truth, guys. The world needs truth. We need hope. Truth that is only found in the word of God. People, people will ask all the time, well, pastor, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? And I'm like, well, what does, what does the Bible say? Because when the enemy comes knocking, my opinion isn't going to scare him away. But the truth of God, the word, he's going to send him running, right? And if Jesus uses scripture to silence and rebuke the enemy, then I think that's a pretty good example for each and every one of us to use that. And so we build people through the truth of the Bible. Prepares us for the righteous works that he's called us to do. Come on. People aren't looking for opinion. What they really need is truth, with a capital T, the truth, Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. If you need hope, get in your Bible. Seriously. If you need encouragement, get in your scripture. You'll see all through the Bible encouraging his people, strengthening. Number two, we build people by helping them discern the voice of God for their lives. Acts 20, 32 says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So when people come and they ask you for advice, say to them, well, what is God saying? Before you give advice, what is God saying? It's really easy, especially for someone like me. I want to jump in and I want to, I want to give my advice in this teaching moment. But what is God saying? Ask them for themselves. We want, to build, we want people who hear the voice of God for themselves, who are able to discern what he's saying for them. Because when you're not there, they'll still have his voice, right? You can recite scripture without faith, but what has the spirit said? See, God brings clarity. He's not the author of confusion, right? He brings clarity. And also with this, we build, te- we build people by teaching them to obey. 
Obey the commandments of God. Obey his voice and his leading when he asks of something of you. Number three, we build people by encouraging them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm not going to back down on this one. We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We need to speak in tongues. Every single person that was in that upper room, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus's brothers, Jesus's disciples, every person that has written a book in the New Testament, every single one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And you know why we speak in tongues? For the edification of our spirits, right? For the edification of ourselves. So just do it. If you don't know how to speak in tongues and you haven't received that gift, invite the Holy Spirit for a baptism of his presence to fill you with his spirit because it will strengthen your innermost man. When I'm in moments and I don't know what to pray and I don't have the words and I'm at a loss for that, I'm like pacing speaking in tongues. I'm in my car, I'm speaking in tongues because I'm building up my spirit through the Holy Spirit. We need to encourage people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell them to read Acts chapter 2. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Because his promise is that his spirit is with each and every one of us. In us, on us, around us. Come on. Ephesians 3.16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, built up again, with power, dunamis, his spirit in your inner being. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. Come on, it catches fire, right? We are catch the fire. We want people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that spirit goes with them, and it catches fire in other places. It multiplies. It's not just for us. Say, it's not just for me. It's a free gift for all. Come on. We build people by healthily operating in the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. We don't want gifts of the Spirit that tear down. I don't care if you think you're a prophet or you're called a prophet. If you're tearing people down, if it's destroying the church or whatever, We want people that are healthily operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Romans 1, 11, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. The spiritual gifts are to strengthen us. Ask your friends if you can lay hands on them. Pray for them. Pray the Spirit over them. Impart faith. The prayers of the righteous avail much. Get together. Lay hands on each other. Impart faith. Impart wisdom. Revelation. Prophesy over each other. Come on. Get out of it. Let's get out of our in, like individualness. Get together. Gather together. That's my last point. Is we build people by bringing them to church. Now, there's a fad going around that says, I can go to a restaurant or the bar and have a beer with friends and we are the church so we just had church and I'm calling that out because there are certain benefits that you receive from coming to this house from coming to church from coming together 
And while I love that we have online streaming, and I love that if, you, if we're sick or whatever, that we can tune in and watch, or if we're, we don't live in that physical city, we can tune in and still be part of the family. But if we choose to replace that with coming together, then we're missing the whole point of church. Because it's not just for what I can receive, it's what I can bring to this body. And it's for the strengthening that we receive together when we come together under one roof and we're going after God together. Sorry, this is a little pastor moment for a second. Actually, I don't apologize. (laughs) But there's something about receiving what God is saying from leaders that have been put in that position, who have good character, clean hands, who want to impart what God is saying to his people. It's beautiful. Ephesians 4, 11, 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You know when someone is operating in their office of the fivefold when they are producing fruit of that. You're not a prophet if you're just a prophet by yourself. You're a prophet when you're raising up other prophets. Jeremiah 3, 15 says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. See, guys, this week as I was preparing, I think about this verse. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. All of the people here who have been given the place to speak on this platform, we labor in the word. We labor in preparing something so that you can receive what God is saying to you. We take it seriously because it's all about the building up, the mutual edification of the body. What is God saying? What's he doing? And we take that seriously. Right, guys? (laughs) Come on. My job is to listen to what he's saying and then say it and deliver it to you guys. Lastly, we build people by loving them well. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are living stones, all called to work, to serve, to contribute. And this, the result of that is what makes the body grow and is edified and unified in love. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, love builds up, right? Love does not tear down. So I want to invite you to stand. And... I want you to hold the hand of someone next to you. And you're like, why? Because guys, we're in church. And culture may say that's weird, but I don't care. (laughs) Because we're one body, one heart, one soul. Come on. And as I was praying for today, I was just praying that the messages that we've heard over the last month about honoring one another and the different things that is required of us in our walk to honor one another. I was praying that it wouldn't just be things that we hear and see in the natural, but it would be seeds that sow in the spirit that we reap the harvest of those seeds 
And we see that on a Sunday morning. We see that in our connect groups. We see that at Ignited Youth. We see it all throughout this body, that God is doing something in the spirit right now where he's tying us together. He's unifying us together as a body. And you may not know the people on the opposite side of the church, but I encourage you to get to know them. Spend time in the lobby just lingering a few minutes after church. Don't just, if you have somewhere to go, feel free to go. I get it. But if you have time, get to know one another. Join a group. Join a team. I promise you, I've found more fun over the last 12 years in this church by serving on a team with amazing people. We're not saying any of this for us. We're saying it because we want this house to be strengthened. We want this house to be built up because God is doing something beautiful and we want to be a part of it. We don't want to sit back and be passive. We want to be active and say, yes, God, whatever you're doing, whatever you're preparing us for, we're ready. We're unified. We're one heart. We're one soul. We're one body. You might vote Democrat. I might vote Republican, but I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. I want to encourage you. I want to stand with you. And the church needs this message more than ever. As we head into the election, somehow politics has divided us. And God is saying, no, not in my church. I want a unified bride. I don't want a broken bride. I want a complete whole bride. And so what I want us to do right now is I actually want us to repent with the Lord for a moment. Of any way that we have torn down his body. Any way that we have spoken curse words over each other that we have labeled people, that we have judgments against people. Repent for it. Say, God, I am so sorry for the way that I've spoken ill about your daughter, about your son. I'm so sorry for the way that I have judged them and their lives and their choices, Lord. I break agreement with the power of the enemy that would try to come in to create division where he would slip in Yes, for any way that I have cooperated with the enemy. I renounce and break agreement with that right now in the name of Jesus. And then I want you to pray that God would unify us. The church, like the global church, but also this church. If you're here today, it's because you're either checking it out or you've chosen to make this your home. And if you've chosen to make it at your home, make it your family. Just pray for a minute in the spirit. Come on. And if you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. God, strengthen us. Unify us. We say yes. We want to be ready for whatever you have for us. We want to be ready for a move of the spirit. We want to be unified, God. Bound together in love. Help us be encouragers, Lord. God, fill me with that gift of encouragement. Show me ways, Lord, that this week I can encourage people in my life, that I can strengthen them, I can strengthen their character, I can stand with them, I can call out your truth that you say about them, Lord. I want to invite up our ministry team as we end. If you guys need prayer, if you need someone to agree with you in anything, 
we have an amazing team, prayer ministry team and people who are trained in freedom as well and deliverance. And if you need encouragement in your life, if you're going through something and you need someone to encourage you, to stand with you, to call it out, please come and receive prayer if you need healing in your body. Thank you guys. Love you all. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.